We're actually going to be in John 3 today. So if you have a Bible, if you could go ahead and take it out. If you don't have a Bible, if you could raise your hand. Just turn to John 3. We'll get to it in a minute. But uh, again, if you don't have a Bible, you can raise your hand, and uh, one of the guys or girls will, will give you a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, you can keep this one. It's our, our gift to you. We believe here at Redemption that everyone should have a copy of God's Word. So, so again, if you don't have a Bible, please keep this one. Uh, we'll be in John 3. But before we jump in uh, to our message today, would you guys go ahead and bow your heads and uh, pray with me? Father, uh, I pray today as, as we jump into your word that, um, God, that, that you'd be present among us today, that uh, you'd send your Holy Spirit to uh, work through me and, and open hearts and open minds to, to this, uh, this term of, of being reborn, of, of rebirth. God, I pray that you'd bless our time and that we'd be able to glorify you and, uh, and uh, fall more in love with you. Jesus, we love you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So, as you guys heard in the scripture, Jesus mentions a phrase in, in the text that we're going to be in today, born again. And he says this phrase five times. It's going to be the, the focus of, of what we talk about today. We hear this phrase in, in, in our culture. Uh, we kind of get the sense of, of new beginnings or, or starting fresh, like born again, right? We think of, uh, as maybe tender of a topic this might be, the Cardinals get a new coach, and they have a great season. Um, regardless, I mean, everyone getting hurt, but but it's like born, they're born again, right? They, they, have a, they had a great season regardless. Uh, any infomercial that you see on, on a, a health uh, product or, or a fitness product, it promises you the world, right? You, you can start over. It promises that you'll, you'll get a tan, you'll lose all your wrinkles, and someone will stop at your house and give you a million dollars or something like that, right? They just promise you everything, these, these new beginnings. Uh, any HGTV show ever, it's on like flipping your home, flipping your yard, flipping finds at a flea market. There's just crazy things that you've never thought of. But this, this idea of starting new or, or being born again, new beginnings. Uh, and, and this is the first Sunday of the year, right? So that there's this idea that we hear of, of a new year, new you. This is the time. This is when I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start going back to the gym. I'm going to go six days a week and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start like really focusing on my fitness and I'm only going to eat cardboard and this is the year like... I'm in it. I'm in it to win it. And, and inevitably, what happens typically is time or gravity wins, always, or our attention spans are just not that long. But we as a culture like this idea of, of kind of pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps, right? Like, we, we like this idea of, uh, I can do this on my own. I can start over. I can do this. This is, this is within my strength. I'm going to do this on my own. And we, we run on all these different hamster wheels, but, but the issue often becomes that, that our faith becomes one of those hamster wheels as well. If I could just pray these prayers, if I could read the Bible in a year, if I could give this much money, if I could serve in these places, then God would be happy with me. Then people would think that I'm a good person. Then I'd feel good about myself. We're doing the right things, but for the wrong reasons. We're, we're trying to do them on our own or in our own strength. The interesting thing about this is if someone who, who wouldn't say they were a Christian came up to us and said, hey, how do I become a Christian? We, we wouldn't say, well, you, you need to pray this much, you need to read the Bible in a year, you need to give away this much money, and, and you need to serve in these places. At least I hope we wouldn't say that. The, the interesting thing uh, is, is in the text that we look at today, the culture uh, of this prominent man, Nicodemus, who visits Jesus at night is, is not 
all that uh, dissimilar to the, the culture that we live in today. Th- these were people that, that believed that uh, if they followed the Old Testament laws and traditions, then they were good. Externally, I'm set. I'm good to go. And, and this prominent man, Nicodemus, visits Jesus at night, and he asks him three questions about the kingdom of God, uh, eternal, uh, eternal life, forgiveness of sins, salvation. And Jesus gives him three answers that, that cycle around this term of being born again or, or rebirth. And so Jesus gives us kind of three points that we'll work, we'll work through today. Jesus is going to tell us about the, the source of rebirth. He's going to tell us about the, the process of rebirth. And he's going to tell us about the results of rebirth. So, so again, the, the source of rebirth, the process of rebirth, and the results of rebirth. So let's go ahead and jump into the text again. If, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to John uh, chapter 3. We'll just start off in verse 1. It says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So, so there's this, this prominent man, Nicodemus. He, he's a member of the Pharisees, and, and the Pharisees were the, the religious authority of, of the, the, the Jewish people at this time. Um, they, were, they were scholars of the Old Testament. They followed the law. They, they followed the traditions to a T. Externally, they looked like they were set. They, they, they were good people. They, they did everything they were supposed to do. And so Nicodemus was a member of, these, of the, the Pharisees. He was also, um, of the Pharisees, the top, of the, the cream of the crop of these Pharisees. It says that he was a, a ruler of the Jews. So he was, he was on uh, something called the Sanhedrin, was essentially the, the um, governing body of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So he was on top of the rulers. He was the teacher of the, of the Jewish people. He was the expert on the Old Testament, the laws and traditions. He, he was a well-connected guy. He, he followed the Old Testament to a T, uh, and, and he was well-known. People knew Nicodemus and his community. He, he came by night uh, to, to talk to Jesus and, and ask him these questions. So he, we kind of have two options here. He came by night. One, maybe he was just a busy guy. But, but two, which I think is more likely, he came by night because he was hesitant or scared or embarrassed. See, because at this point, Jesus was not very popular with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So he, he comes to Jesus at night. This guy who's, who's the cream of the Jewish crop, he, essentially, he's, he like went to, to Yale Law. Like, he, he knows the law. He follows the law. And the interesting thing here is, is this first question that he asks is not apparent, right? He doesn't ask a literal question here. He goes to Jesus. He says, rabbi, which means teacher. Uh, he says, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So he's saying, I, we know that you're from God. We don't fully get what that, that means. We, don't, we can't see the whole picture. We know that you're a, you're a teacher of some sort. You can't do what you're doing unless God sent you. And, and then he kind of, he kind of gives a breath, there's, there's an ellipsis here. There's a dot, 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 an implied question that he's asking Jesus. And he's asking Jesus, he's, he's, oh, he's, remember, he's a Pharisee, a teacher. He, externally, he's all set, but, but we're going to see here in a minute that not all is, is good in his heart. There, there's something going on, and that's this implied question 
that he's asking here. He's going to Jesus and he's saying, am I good? Am I doing everything that, that I need to be doing? See, a few verses before this, this passage, we, we see that Jesus knows the hearts of men. And, and Jesus answers this question uh, to Nicodemus uh, in verse 3. It says, Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So we know that Jesus knows the hearts of men, and he cuts straight to Nicodemus's heart. He answers and he says, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born again. The, the Greek word used here uh, could also be translated born from above. Jesus is giving us a, a metaphor uh, of, of what he means. So Nicodemus, being, being a Pharisee, a teacher, an Old Testament scholar, a pious man, well known in his community, the cream of the crop of the Jewish people, externally, again, we said he's all set. Can, can you imagine having this framework, coming to Jesus, asking this question, and being told, no, you can't do it on your own. You have to do it with God. I kind of picture Nicodemus's face here as, as uh, a kid on Christmas. He, he sees packages under the tree. He sees one for himself, and, and he looks at it, and he's like, that is an Xbox One. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's an Xbox One. And he's like waiting, he's excited. Christmas Day comes, he opens it up, and it turns out to be one of those tie-dye shirts with wolves howling at the moon from Crazy Aunt Edna. His face is just like, what? That, that's how I, I picture Nicodemus's face in this moment, because his whole framework is getting destroyed. He, he has no idea what's going on right now. He has no idea what, what Jesus is talking about. But we know that Jesus is pointing to so much more. God's plan to, to save his people was so much bigger than, than the Old Testament Jews' framework. God knew we could never carry the burden of our sin. And so God sent his son to die for us. And this son was standing in front of Nicodemus and telling him he needed to be born again or born from above. So, so this verse is, is one of the main verses where, uh, kind of in Christian subculture, we get this term, I'm a, I'm a born-again Christian. I wasn't raised in the church, so when I became a believer, this really threw me off. People would be like, hey man, are you a born-again Christian? And I was like, isn't that the same thing? It's kind of like redundant to say that you're a born-again Christian. Like, what is a non-born-again Christian? I was really confused. So I thought of some other redundant phrases, maybe to, to drive this point home. It'd, it'd be like saying like a, a single bachelor, or the, the basic fundamentals, uh, a difficult dilemma, a free gift, a gluten-free hipster. It's assumed, right? <laughs> like, we just know that that's... What Jesus is saying here is to be Christian, to have salvation or eternal life, is to be born again. It has nothing, similar to our, our actual birth here, we had no influence on it actively, like ourselves. Similar to, to our, our natural birth, we had nothing to do with that. We have nothing to do with our spiritual rebirth. So that, that first point that, that we mentioned, the source of rebirth, we, we see here Jesus is telling us the source of rebirth is from above or from God. It has nothing to do with us. Nicodemus continues here uh, after getting his mind blown and, and gets a little bit snippy with Jesus. 
while asking his second question. So if you guys join me in verse 4, Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Yikes. Say what you will about Nicodemus, but the guy's bold. Even if he doesn't fully understand who Jesus is, he knows that he's a teacher from God. Could you imagine, like, any, any sort of spiritual teacher and getting sassy like this with them? Like, saying, like, well, what? So should I, like, be born again? Like, go back into my mother's womb? That's, like, kind of straightforward and uh, bold. But uh, Jesus doesn't take the bait. He, he takes the high road. And he continues in his answer, his, his second answer here, in verse 5. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So that phrase that Jesus uses in verse 5, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, what is that? Um, let's parking lot that. We're going to get to that in a minute. So, so couch that question. We'll get there. First, I want to I focus on the fact that uh, we said that first point, the source of rebirth is God. Jesus is driving that point home by using, if you look in your Bibles, it's, it's a capital S for spirit. He's referring to the Holy Spirit here, the spirit of God. Jesus is saying, once flesh, always flesh. But, but the spirit can make spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. You, you can't change flesh to spirit. We can do nothing to change flesh to spirit. If it's created as flesh, it's always flesh. We need the spirit to become spirit. So as early as as the first century, there was a practice called alchemy. um, And and it it was somewhat elements of it were were a precursor to modern-day chemistry. But they also mixed in a lot of mythology and and religious uh, elements and stuff to it, too. There was some pretty outlandish stuff involved in alchemy. They believed there was a stone that if you possessed it, you had eternal and complete knowledge. Um, so some, some stuff that was just not true. One of the things that, that they believed they could do with alchemy was a process called transmutation. And, and what transmutation was, they believed that they could take a base metal, so something common, easy to find, like nickel or copper, and they could transmute that or change it into a noble metal. So gold. So they believe they could change nickel into gold. I say this is one of the outlandish parts of alchemy because it's not true. It can't happen. It's never happened and it never will. You can't change nickel into gold. Like this, Jesus is saying, we can't change, we can't change flesh, human frailty, sinfulness, weakness, to to spirit, the strength of God or or salvation, without the Spirit, the power of God. Jesus continues uh, in in verse 7. He says, Do not marvel that I, I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So Jesus goes from a, a metaphor of, of birth to that of wind. And the interesting thing here, that the word that Jesus is using for wind here in the Greek is the same word that he was just using for spirit. It's pneuma. Um, so, so he's doing a play on words here and, and giving us another metaphor, trying to, to help Nicodemus understand what he's saying. 
He's saying human effort equals human results. But, but this pneuma, the spirit, or, or this wind, is different. It's the mystery of God. So, so what do you do to control the wind? You can't. You can't summon it. You can't increase it. You can't decrease it. It's a work of God. The wind is uncontrollable, unpredictable. It can't be summoned. It can't be diminished or gotten rid of. And this, Jesus is saying, this is the prototype for, for how people come to faith. It's a theological term called regeneration. Uh, all it means is, is the secret work of God to, to renew our hearts that we can respond in faith to him. So this spiritual rebirth leads to eternal life. And it's only from the Holy Spirit. So, so the second point, the, the process of rebirth is the Holy Spirit regenerating or, or making new our hearts uh, that we can respond in faith to God. So the spiritual birth only comes from God. It has nothing to do with us. We can't work, buy, charm, lie, or fake our way into eternal life. And this challenges our, our modern dependency on, on quick fixes and guaranteed formulas for success because when it comes to this, there isn't one. These verses always shake me a little bit because when I first read it, it's, it's really easy for me to say, Nicodemus, come on, man. He's not just a teacher. How do you not see what he's saying here? Nicodemus is coming to Jesus, the only son of God, and, and, and he's trying to be socially polite to him by calling him teacher, which would have been a big deal to anyone else because remember, Jesus never went through training, official training, to be a rabbi. So for Nicodemus to call him rabbi was a big deal. Except the irony hits us as the reader because, again, Jesus is so much more than just a teacher. Nicodemus gets what would be a crazy answer to him. Rebirth. You have to be born again or born from above. And then he gets a little sassy with Jesus. And then Jesus reiterates that the only way to the kingdom of God Salvation, eternal life, is through an act of God. And Nicodemus still doesn't get it. Jesus says the only way is to be reborn or to be born from above. And Nicodemus says, great, yeah, so, so what do I do? Nothing. But, but if we take a second look at this, could, could this be a warning for us today? See, sometimes... I'm Nicodemus. It's easy for us, from a bird's eye view, to, to laugh or even have pity on Nicodemus, right? He was just a Pharisee who, who came to this situation with a religious background and traditions, and, and he was somewhat stubborn, and uh, he was stuck on trying to do it on his own. Meanwhile, Jesus is saying, you can't, only from God. But we fall into that trap sometimes, too. If I could just start doing this, or, man, if I would just stop doing that. We do religious acts for the sake of the act. We, we get caught up in ourselves in the framework of me, but Jesus here is saying he's calling us to the framework of him, God the Almighty. Well, this interaction between Nicodemus and Jesus continues with Nicodemus asking Jesus' his third and final question. You can read with me in verse 9. 
Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? So at this point, Nicodemus is just exasperated. He's saying, what in the world are you talking about? Jesus continues and answers him in verse 10. And he says, are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? So Jesus calls Nicodemus out here. He gives him a gentle rebuke. Earlier I said, let's, let's parking lot or couch that, that phrase, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And I said parking lot that because Jesus gives us some context here of, of what he's talking about and why he's, he's rebuking or calling Nicodemus out. He's saying, I, I am referencing something that you should know. You are an Old Testament teacher, and, and you don't know what I'm referring to. Jesus was referring here to, to Ezekiel 36, verses 25 to 27, which says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. And from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So in the Old Testament, in Ezekiel 36, God is washing our hearts clean of sin. God is giving us a new heart. God is giving us new desires to walk in his statutes. We are not causing this. It was pointing to something to come. This is likely, this is what Jesus was referring to here and why he was calling out Nicodemus for not knowing, as the teacher of Israel, what he was referring to. And in our context, uh, there's, there's a verse that is one of the most quoted verses uh, right after this passage, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his, his only son that whoever believes in him uh, should not perish but have eternal life. It's a, a, a verse that's quoted a lot it would be like Jesus calling him out for not understanding uh, a reference to that, that verse. He's saying, you should know this. This is a big deal. Jesus continues by talking about uh, the, the third and final point here, the results of, of rebirth in the last verses. He's saying, okay, I'm going I'm to try this one more time. Uh, let me make this more clear for you. He says it in verse 13, No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. So Jesus boils it down for us here. He starts out by, by setting up his authority. He, he says, No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. He's referring to himself. He's saying, Nicodemus, listen to what I'm about to tell you. I know what I'm talking about. And, and then he references Numbers 21, verse 9, which says, So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. Some context here. Uh, in Numbers 21, the, the Jewish people were, had just left Egypt. Moses was leading them. 
through, through the desert, and God was miraculously dropping manna or bread from the sky for them, and he commanded them, he said, take only what you need for today. So, so God is, we use the phrase raining cats and dogs, God is raining food from the sky, providing everything they need, and, and the Jewish people start to grumble. They, they start to, to want more than just the manna. They want different food. They must have been those gluten-free hipsters from earlier. And, and as a result of this, God sends a punishment for them. He, he sends fiery serpents or venomous snakes among their camp. And then he has Moses uh, build or construct a serpent figure out of copper. And he, he has him lifted up on a pole. And anyone who looked uh, on this figure would be saved. So, so looking at the serpent figurine lifted up on a pole was the antidote to the poison. That sounds familiar. It sounds like, like Jesus being lifted up on the cross and being our antidote for sin. Similarly, whoever would look to the Son of Man lifted up on the cross for the sins of the world will find eternal life. The antidote to the bite of the venomous snake from the garden. The answer to the fall of man. The answer is and always will be Jesus. If we look to Jesus in faith and accept him as our Lord and Savior, then we will find eternal life. And, and Jesus is saying here that this faith to accept him, this regeneration of our heart, starts with an act of God. So, what do we walk away with here? What does this mean for us today? It means that instead of a new religion, Jesus gives us new life. To borrow a phrase from, from Tyler Johnson, uh, God makes you more you. Jesus makes you more the person that, that God created you to be. And he doesn't just make you a better version of your old self. You are a new creation. Second Corinthians 5 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. We are where we are because of God. Not because of anything we did. For those of us here that, that have put our faith in Christ, we, we need to remember that God did that. Just like if a, a non-Christian were to come up to us and say, hey, how do I become a Christian? We wouldn't respond with, well, let me write up a list for you. We did nothing. Now, that doesn't mean don't read your Bible or pray or serve or give. Those are, those are good things. We just can't do those out of a, a motive to, to get right with God because we can't. We need to do these things out of a love for the Lord, our Lord and Savior who, who regenerated our hearts to be with him for eternity because he loves us that much. To, to be with the, the Lord of the universe that came here and died for us. And, and for those of you uh, in here that, that maybe wouldn't, wouldn't say that you're a Christian or, or you, know, you, you don't know where you're at yet, you're, you're exploring this, I, I would point out that you're here today with this passage. See, it's easy to, to kind of rag on Nicodemus, but at the end of the day, even if it was at night and, and all these things, he went to Jesus. 
He needed Jesus. We need Jesus. He's the antidote to the sin from the garden. This passage, while challenging, uh, is good news for us today. This idea that, that the only way to enter the kingdom of God is to be born again or born from above. It's good news because we don't have to do anything. I mentioned earlier that this verse kind of, uns- this passage unsettles me a bit. And if I'm honest, there's a part of me, it unsettles me because there's a part of me that doesn't like being told there is nothing you can do on your own to enter or see the kingdom of God. Sometimes I'm Nicodemus. I, I want to retort, but God, I've done this and this and this. But, but if I would just keep my big mouth shut and see the other half of what Jesus is saying here, he's saying, but it's already been done for you by God himself. That is good news. We don't have to carry an uncarryable burden. Jesus already did that for us. So we, we understand that, that the source of rebirth is from God alone. He is the source, and he provides the process, and the result is eternal life with him. Let's rest in that. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your unlimited grace and mercy. God, when, when it, it can be so easy to, to come to you and, and say all the things that we've done that, that should earn your favor, God, that, that at the end of the day, you did it for us, God, that you uh, gave us the means, you gave us the grace, you gave us love freely. God, I pray that we would just rest in that truth, that we would um, be able to understand that, that we did nothing, God. It was an act of you, and I pray that that would give us awe, that would give us wonder of you, that, that there wouldn't be a day that would go by where we would just get used, used to, to the grace that you give. It is spectacular, God, and we thank you so much for doing that and sending your son. Jesus, we love you, and and it's in your name that, that we pray. Amen.